welcome to For What It's Worth. There's your cookie. Have fun. <laughs> An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. Wisconsin, Texas. Due to budget cuts, there will be no introduction in this episode. We have overspent on... One thing about coming out to a convention on the East Coast. That's not the East Coast. Minnesota is not the East Coast. Oh. Stuff. And therefore, I will not be making an intro this time around. Pull that record. <laughs> We're done. Abort. Wait. It's literally stuffed in the expense column? Really? I didn't even put it on here, but I know what's coming next. Or do you? Oh, yeah, I do. And aren't I not paid for this? How can my budget of zero dollar dues be reduced? Seriously, these are hard times indeed. And to help everyone get through those hard times, here are today's two fools, Nuka and Rue. And welcome, everybody. It is so glad. I am so, so glad to be in your ear holes today. Thank you for choosing to listen to our show. We have some amazing, amazing things that are going to be happening today. We will be talking specifically about professional development. And today in the wings, we have good old Nuka. Hello, Nuka. I like being good old Nuka. I can live with that. <laughs> well, isn't good old Nuka like, I don't know, is that meaning that you're going to be a gray fur real soon? or A gray muzzle? Well, statistically, gray muzzles are 38 years old and I'm j- becoming 35 this year, so I'm getting up there. Uh, I'm going to be turning 37. I know I just crashed everybody's hopes and dreams of how... I didn't realize you were older than me. Yeah, oh, I am older than you. I just don't act it. I, I act like a little child on here, so... <laughs> I always assumed like you were in grade 12 or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still have people that email me and assume that I'm uh, that that I'm a girl. Not, not that, that, that there's anything wrong with that, but I do have situations that happen once in a while at work where somebody calls in uh, one of the... Um, one of my coworkers and says, Hey, I really, really want to talk to, um, talk, talk to, to Rue. And, um, <laughs> and I, I just barely talked to her and, um, I really, really would like to talk to her. And, um, when they tried to explain that, that I'm actually a, a he, and they're like, no, that's not the right person. <laughs> they get <laughs> as, like really upset with them. As a, as a person whose name is Courtney, I understand. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> yes, but you have a very masculine voice. True, true. <laughs> so, Nuka, what have you been up to? Oh, gosh, I've been busy. I am uh, gearing up to move. So I'm getting ready to move to uh, a new apartment with some friends of mine, which is exciting. Yay! The, after, after spending the last year by myself in an apartment during the COVID pandemic, I figure it's about time to, to move in with some people. So that's good. But roommates. How... Uh, yeah. I mean, have you been with roommates before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've had roommates before. And it's it's going to be a furry house. There's three of us. So um, I'm okay with living with furries. I can live with that. <laughs> and then uh, I got promoted. I got tenure, which is great. This is exciting. So I'm now a tenured professor, which means they can't fire me. So that's, that's, that's pretty sweet. Congratulations on reaching that. That's amazing. And perhaps the most important accomplishment this week is I finally, after like all these years, sat down and actually played my namesake. I finally played Fallout 1. I have never, ever played those games, but I've heard that Fallout New Vegas was really good. It was. I feel kind of guilty because I got into the series in Fallout 3 and I realized that I really ought to go back and, and 
start at its roots. So I finally did that. And it was it was okay. It was okay. How about you, Rue? What have you been up to? Well, we are in the process of closing on a home. So we're yeah. super excited about that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So hopefully within the next few months or so, we'll be moving into our it's it's like a town home slash condo type thing but the important thing is it's yours exactly will be yours so we plan on staying there for a little bit of time building equity and then you know moving into something that we really really you know want to have our forever home if that makes sense live in the dream yep um and then i'm now going to be a professor just kidding. I'm not really going to be a professor. Not not like you, Nuka, <laughs> actually teaching college courses. However, <laughs> I am going to be teaching at a college. Um, it's just oh. basically like basic soft skills, like resume and, um, you know, just like how not to get into arguments with your boss and <laughs> just some very basic things that that's helpful for individuals to know for them to be successful in the workplace. So that's- Well, gosh, Rue, that sounds really relevant to the topic we're talking about today. <laughs> oh my goodness. What? Oh, well, we're not we're not at that point yet, Nuka. Oh, but but we are at the moment of cookies. <laughs> Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. All right, everybody, here is today's cookie. Your majestic personality will draw people to you in bed with a cookie. So what do you think about that, Nuka? It sounds right, you know? It just sounds right. And we're back. Rue, why don't you introduce our guest to the fine folks at home? Awesome. Well, hey, we have a lovely, lovely guest. This is the most amazing individual that I have ever had an opportunity to work with. Nas! Yay! Thank you. Thank you so much, Rue. It's a pleasure to be here, part of your show today. And I am so glad that I can make it today. Because last week I was supposed to be here and I got lost my voice and I was kind of sick after coming back from the mini vacation. But I am so honored to be with you and with your audience. Thank you so much Thank for having me. Thank you. Thank you very much. So who are you? I am a very positive human being working with the homeless population, trying to help them to find a job and find their way out. So what is your background? Uh, um, I am Persian. 
Awesome. Technically, I'm a refugee come to this country with just only $42.65 in their pocket <gasps> from Iran. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And then, um, no, technically, I'm having a breakdown of uh, cultural shock and not knowing how to speak the language and having problem communicating and not having a, a very good bit of resume here with no experience. But, you know, with the help of community and uh, International Rescue Committee at that time, I was able to find my way out. And then I promised myself that I can go back to the community and help the people like me to be successful uh, resident of this great estate. I want you to go into a little bit. Are you okay with going into just a little bit more detail about your journey? Sure, sure. Um, um, Me and my partner, we came to this country as a refugee, um, persecuted because of our religion. We were Christian, and um, it was very hard for us to, uh, you know, uh, technically be there because I got a death penalty. And I got several times I got into jail because I was in missionary group and people, um, you know, need help. And I tried to help them out because they were hopeless. And I tried to give them a message of Lord, something that they can, that's all they need and I'll, I can give it to them. Technically, I did not have the money to give it to them, but I can give them something that they can at least enjoy. Um, but um, the government of Iran didn't like it, and um, I got jailed 11 times, and I got uh, 300 lashes. I didn't die. They were not successfully, didn't deliberate it very well. And then finally, um, I got a death penalty, and they gave me two weeks to say goodbye to my family and stop before they put me in the death row. And my father paid people to take me out to Turkey from the border. And we went to Turkey and we went to the UNHCR, United Nations High Council for Refugees, and we applied to be a refugee. And in the first interview, I've been told that it might take about four to 12 years to clear and be a refugee. And I said, okay, there's no way that I can go back. And they said, also, there's no... Uh, work permission, you have to uh, ask your family for help. And I said, okay, I, I can do that. And guess what? The next week they called me, they said, we guess you're very famous. You were in radio before. They said, yes. And looks like, you know, you are in news. And uh, there are advertisements going on for you. They're saying your blood is free to anybody can kill you. And they, there's a prize for you and everything. And uh, that's why we've gone. We have to expedite your process. In two and a half months, I got invitation from seven different countries, and America was one of them. Mm. I got invitation from the White House, uh, from President Clinton at the time, and uh, President Bush. Uh, you know, they were changing at that time. Um, and I got invited to come to United States, and I chose to come here and. I came to this country in 21st February of 2001, and we settled here in Utah. Um, we didn't choose to come; actually, they chose for us because they said this is the this is the 
place that you can feel this kind of same people, same experience. Maybe they have the same um, experience that you have. They've been punished because of the religion and because of their way that they choose to be. And I start working after 11 days in the Smiths as a beggar, and people recognize that I'm here. People that they know me from the radio station, they come and take a picture with me and stuff. And and then I make a progress little by little. And I have a master um, in divinity back there. And I come over here and I go to the college and university and educate myself a little bit more and more every day. And I got my philosophy in a PhD in philosophy. Wow. And then I go to a seminary uh, to be a deacon and to be part of the um, Episcopal Church priesthood. And now I'm a postulant of Utah. Wow. And that's that's amazing. <laughs> it is a big, big deal. I think we should be me. calling you doctor. <laughs> <laughs> doctor Nods. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, not, not, you know, it's going to be, you know, I feel like you know, Dr. Oz. <laughs> 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 That's not the association you want. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. You you have a little bit more on Dr. Oz and you, you help people for starters. You also have is... a little bit more hair, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I do. And uh, you know, technically uh, I help myself and I and I know that anybody who wants to help themselves, you know, I will help them. So Nas. I um, have a confession. Okay. Um, you are on a podcast that is um, for furries. Do you know what a furry is? Not really. Okay. That is, that is 100% fine. Me and you can have an amazing conversation. Um, but basically, you see in front of you this lovely, lovely character that's here. Mm -hmm. um we do um a whole bunch of different charity events we we help raise money for um we help raise money um for different charities but but also um the furry fandom is where everybody picks basically like a persona or a persona and um they create these little characters so that picture that's right in front of you that's a picture of my character that's um what how people actually know me by or associate um with me so a lot of people don't know me by my legal name but they actually know me by this name wow. so um it's basically it's almost kind of like a you know how there's ghostwriters that are out there mm -hmm. and they they have a different like persona or sure. a pin name that's basically like my pin name um but um furries take on maybe like a some sort of some sort of animal so i was going to ask you what is your favorite animal uh owl an owl Ooh. Ooh. I love owl. very wise because it's it's up at the night when everybody else is sleeping that's cool. <laughs> I like it. Nuka, how would you explain the furry fandom to a, to somebody that has never heard about it before? Um, I always just say it's it's people who are fans of um, media that has walking, talking animals. So if you think Disney, it's that sort of thing. 
you know, so Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse, that sort of thing. If you're a fan of that sort of thing, you, you could be a furry. So sometimes with furries, they, they, um, so sometimes within our community, there's a lot of, um, there's, we, we come from all different walks of life. And some of these individuals that are within our community um, are a lot younger. And so it's kind of their first time stepping into um, finding employment. And, um, and and there are some of them out there that are homeless. Uh, so they're kind of like, I don't want to say furries are awkward, but it's kind of like we're the other category. It's like we didn't fit in with the, when we went to high school, we didn't fit in with the jocks. We didn't fit in with the, um, I don't know, the, uh, some the of preps. them came from, yeah, the preps. <laughs> the cheerleaders. The, yes. So we're kind of like the other category. <laughs> um, but so that actually brings us to, what we are talking about today. Specifically, we're going to be talking about professional development and how to um, how to be able to build a resume out of nothing, or maybe if they're homeless, how to be able to get themselves in a in a better situation. Yeah, for for background, a lot of furries are. Um, sort of between the ages of 18 and 25, many of them uh, find themselves in the unfortunate situation of their parents have kicked them out or they're, they're kind of out on their own. They come from uh, a rough background, perhaps. And uh, many of them are, are sort of looking for role models or looking for some kind of advice, like, what, what do I do with my life? How do I go from, from leaving high school to getting a job? And, and especially in this particular climate right now, economically, um, there's a lot of uh, concern among uh, furries who are like, well, what, am I ever going to be able to get a job even? And, and what can I do? So that's sort of the, the background of the context for this is trying to give some advice for, for these young folks who are sort of searching for how do, how do I get, my, get a job? How do I land a, a career, something that has some kind of a future? So I guess that brings us to our first question. Um, what does professional development mean? To me, professional development is starting from the first grade, actually, uh, when the kids um, can show off themselves and their experiences when they're playing with the toys and stuff, when they're upgrading themselves from the little car to the bigger car, and they're showing that they can tow this car on top of the other one. I think we should recognize those and just celebrate what they have, what they do, little stuff. Like, you know, um, as a community person, as a somebody who is very active in the community with the different ages, I experience working with the um, homeless youth who are over 18 and under 25, and they have their own housing um, under a family actually they are not the, they are they are in the family but they are not under the family they are part of the family of eight people from the same age of uh, group age and what they do is they are uh, technically they're responsible each month a couple of them are responsible and they are um running the show running the house and the, everybody else at home 
they're doing shopping, somebody is cooking, and some other people running the home and rules and stuff. And I think that's the best things, you know, um, we can celebrate when it comes to contact with them. Um, I do uh, so many, uh, you know, food bank and stuff. When they come over there, actually, um, I go to shop with them. And I realize, you know, they want to express them themselves. They want to say, I like Italian style food. I want to make Alfredo spaghetti tonight with the champagne and this and that, you know. And I and I recognize that and I say, Do you know the recipe? Oh my gosh, well, next time when you come in, can you bring a recipe for us? Recognizing little things that they do is the big things, you know, because they want to be seen. They want to be recognized. And they can say, you know, I was in the jail. I was with the jewelry center. I was um, in the, you know, but you don't need to tell them. You don't need to put on the resume that I was, for the last three years, I was the jail. You can say, I was the gated community somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but I know how to run that gated community. I know how to survive that gated community. And I know how to cook, how to obey the rules and I learn how to obey the rules and now that I'm growing up from this I come up with the head held up and I know how to be a, a growing person you know so is that lying I get this question all the time for the with the people that I'm working with because they they want to be you know honest and truthful but when it comes to interviewing for a job or putting stuff on your resume, I, it's not lying. These are skills that you have. You have these particular skills. Um, you're just, okay, maybe it is lying. <laughs> um, yes, I know. At the same time, it's a sugarcoating the truth. It's sugarcoating the truth that the other person can handle it. It's frankly, you can say I'm incarcerated, you know, I'm in federal jails. And stuff. Or you can say, it, um, because of the bad choices I made, I've been kept it and I learned my lesson. There's a two way of saying exactly. the things, you know. You can say, you might be seated, you know, sit down. There is a, a way of saying things. I think if, if we can just learn how to be glamorous about everything, it really works. Exactly. Definitely looking at the positive sides. Are it's where you put the emphasis, I think. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's it's all how you you view. Uh, you know how have you ever heard of like looking through like each person looks through a different lens. Uh, we're all looking through different set of glasses. Uh, or you probably have heard the term of rose tinted glasses or something like that, where my perception is different than another person's percep perception, uh, you know, giving, putting things in a positive light is super, super important when it comes to your professional development. So we were, you were talking about uh, skills just a second ago and trying to find uh ways to sort of emphasize the skills you have. And I guess it leads to a, a question that I was kind of interested in is what sorts of skills are important to kind of uh, um, emphasize? Like, well, are there certain skills that are more useful or more um, uh, ways to things that you can put on a, on a resume that make yourself look more appealing to a potential employer? And just to help frame that, we do have an email 
uh, from one of our listeners here, uh, Peppergrass, just to, to sort of help frame this. Um, so he says, uh, hey, Aru, Firebreath, uh, Click Voss, hope I got that right, and guests. Uh, sorry if this gets to be a long one. First time writing into anything, so I'll try to keep it short. Uh, I've been a listener since last October, having caught up around February. Hearing about the lack of email last episode inspired me to chime in. As far as employment, I don't have a college education, which likely would have gotten me in the door much sooner. I instead got a few years of relevant volunteer experience, which eventually got me the interview. In my experience, having practical experience can sometimes be more desirable to an employer than someone with just a degree. A cleverly structured resume helps a lot too. Think hard about any skills or experience you have that could be applicable. Also, I can say that while I've never been homeless, it does cross my mind. I know that as a person making it paycheck to paycheck, it wouldn't take much. Sorry, no advice or questions here, just sympathy for anyone facing that struggle. That's all I got. I look forward to hearing what everyone else has to say. Your friendly Florida trash panda, Peppergrass. P.S. You're all doing a great job hosting without tugs. Uh, I know you're all working with a new dynamic. Be patient with yourselves. Keep up the good work. So from the email, he mentions there that doesn't have a, uh, a college education, but this like relevant real world experience can be useful to employers. And I guess I wanted to know if that's been your experience or if you have thoughts on that. I believe so. I believe we need to emphasize what we have and what we know and what we can do. Um, and we can tailor every resume based on the jobs that we are applying for. Um, I don't need to be, for example, t- um, if I'm applying for the baking job, I don't need to be professional baker. As far as I can read the recipe and I know the temperature, I can adjust it. I think and I, can, I can apply for that, you know. Um, as far as I can just say that, you know, I have experience that I make this cake and this, that, and, you know, just explaining the how and what the outcome was that can satisfy the system instead of saying that I have the culinary, because many people go and sign up for um, culinary chef and being a baker in so many expensive, um, you know, training groups and classes, but they are not really good bakers or they're not really good cook. They are not because it's not in their blood to cook. Then you have to have it, you know, it. To make a good pizza, you don't need to be Italian. Uh, actually, in fact, I have the worst Italian pizza ever <laughs> when I was in Italy. You know, it was not really tasty. I didn't like the taste. But, you know, and then uh, we, we make a better one here. And I think it doesn't mean, you know, if they need, the you know, something experience or they want the education. It's worth to try to say that maybe that I don't have that exact experience or exact education, but I can perform a job as much as that person with that level of education can perform. I agree with you 100%. Something that I was going to just tack on is that sometimes I think that people don't necessarily, that they they look at, when they, they go to apply for a job, they look at the the job requirements. And a lot of times it scares them away because maybe it could say something like, we want you to have 15 years of customer service experience or, or something like that. That's huge. But maybe you've been working for 15 years and there's a whole, there's a way in which you can actually identify, um, 
that you have actually potentially um, that you have that particular job requirement. Like, for example, you could have been a bagger. Don't discount yourself because bagging experience is customer service experience. So you you might actually reach that those those fifteen hours. And besides, even if you don't hit everything on the um, the suggestion that that they have there, apply anyways. Right. Because and explain to them why you are the the best candidate. So I I think that really looking at your um, your experiences that you've had in the past, and like you were saying with that individual that was incarcerated, you know, putting a spin on it to making it so that it's, I mean, that you do have those p- particular skills. Mm-hmm. When I think speaking to that idea too, there's this, this, it's really easy to become intimidated when, uh, especially in America, this is very prominent. It seems like every job wants you to have some kind of education, right? Oh, at least a bachelor's degree or at least some kind of, it, it often seems that way. And a lot of people, especially younger people have this feeling where if I don't go and get at least four years of college, I'm, I'm never going to be able to get a job. Do, do you notice that in your work that a lot of people have, have that mistaken assumption? They are already discouraged when they come. They said, oh, I need to get the uh, entry-level job, especially with the homeless population. They are really discouraged of any high-level jobs and stuff. And I would tell them, what do you think about this job? And they said, no, 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 no. This is not for me because I have no, I have, you know, I only have high school diploma or I only 11 years education. And the first thing I would tell them that, you know, my education is not even from here when I come here and I got a job. When I got this job at this state, for example, or when I got this job at this level, when I got this job at the hospital, I did not have my doctor degree as a medical experience from this country. We have many people coming as a refugee, for example, from different parts of the world, and they were doctors. They were medical doctors in their country. And they come over here and they start working. They start working in the medical field. And I always encouraged them, said, let's start from somewhere. And then you get the couple years experience here and pass some tests. And then you're on your own. Because we are really downgrading ourselves. And we can, you know, the only things we need to work on is just on self-esteem. And with the homeless population, when they come, they already, they feel like, you know, they are... um, down there and nobody wants them, nobody believes them, nobody um, and they're already thinking and they are trying and they're thinking that um, um, we are very short and I don't need to even apply for this job because I know I'm not going to get it but often time they are very hard worker and they are very reliable people if you just encourage them to be So the next question, how does one move up in their career and how, um, how do they know when they've reached a dead end? So we actually have an email that is associated to that. Um, Nuka, would you be willing to read that? Absolutely. Uh, Hello everyone at For What It's Worth. I was wondering if I could share my story with you. My journey to my current career path was far from straightforward. Growing up with a dad who's a big-time golfer in an area that really loves golf more than anywhere else in that particular region, 
um, which has a firmly established history of producing golfers who have won at the highest level. That also includes a prominent figure in the debate for who's the greatest golfer ever. Uh, it's a home to a tournament that is held in high prestige by players from all over the world. And I've been picking up a golf club almost as soon as I could walk. It's no wonder why my first inclination as a career was to become the guy who dethroned Tiger Woods. But I couldn't get better fast enough. I knew I wouldn't likely get offers for golf scholarships heading into my senior year of high school. I made up my mind that I'd go to veterinary school and had even picked out a bachelor's degree program that could provide a safety net I couldn't, uh, if I couldn't get into vet school. Unfortunately, I couldn't get through the first year of chemistry classes. I became an undecided student and ultimately switched my major to turf grass management and graduated in five and a half years instead of the four I had planned. Those are the events on record. But the mental side of everything is a different matter. Although this path has allowed me opportunities to employ my love of golf, to explore another career path I didn't really know much about, acquire a job that includes nice benefits package, and come up with ample opportunities to advance to higher pay grades, which is what has led me, uh, let me set a good foundation for my financial future prior to turning 30. In some ways, I'm a bit annoyed with how everything turned out. Twice, I thought I had everything planned out, only to be forced into giving up on my dream. Getting your degree in four years is less uh, common in my family, unless you went to medical school or nursing school. After five and a half years, I should have had my bachelor's degree and been about halfway through vet school, despite getting my first taste early on that I would have to change the long-term plan for my life, it still stung to have to go through that process for three main reasons. First, once plans are made, they're supposed to be executed as stated. Second, st starting as early as possible in your career path is the best way forward because it gives you a head start on the competition. And the earlier you bloom, the more rewarded you are for your work. Combine that with a great work ethic and there'll be very few who can catch you. Lastly, openings for late bloomers are on the path to becoming extinct in this age of technology. So knowing that I've already failed at the first two ideas I had, and the odds are now stacked even higher against me if I ever try to make another similar change. As I write this, I couldn't help wondering if I missed an avenue in my life that would have allowed me to get at the same point at this time without having to deal with that mess. I was determined to get my life planned out as much as possible while still in school, and I'd have to go through all this again. Let me know what you think. So, so basically, it sounds like uh, frustration at having to um, restart twice in your life, and, and if not necessarily hitting a dead end, feeling like I'm not going to go any further in this. And I've definitely met people like this who um, they get to a certain stage and they realize they're, they're trapped between um, I've been at this job for a little while, but I'm miserable here and I'm not going anywhere. Do I stay here or do I cut my losses and start over again, which feels in you know like, like I may not ever get back to where I was before. So I guess the, there's several questions in there, but I guess the big question might be, you know, how do you know when you're at that, when, when you're sort of in a dead end and is, how do you know when it may be a good idea to start over or to try to rethink your current job path? I believe it just goes back to your desire, what you really feel, what you want to be. Uh, recently, I take a trip with my aunt. She lives in Orlando and she just left the husband and said, hey, Nats, I want to come and let's go out and let's have fun together. And uh, I said, okay, and what's the plan? She said, nothing, we plan when I get there. And I said, okay, 
couple of days before she come here, I said, okay, what's the plan? I said, nothing. I will tell you when I get here. And I said, my gosh, um, what's the plan? And she was here. And the morning that we were going, I know she was going to field trip with me somewhere and some, some places. But I said, okay, at least we need a hotel somewhere we go. And she said, uh, instead of thinking about the place that we go, we want to emphasize, and we want to focus on our trip a step by a step and enjoy the nature that we are driving through. And amazing, amazing trip. I drove uh, 5,400 miles in 10 days, and that was the best experience of my life. We both drive all the way through the canyon or, or you know, middle of nowhere, snow, and we stopped. And we did not even care we we stop and what we eat, if it was day or night, or if we know the place or not. We just make an omelet in the middle of, you know, we make some wood and, you know. it It's very important for the person any make any decision, any decision that you're making for your life, for your education, for your future, that you enjoy the road while you are going, not the place that you're going to be there, what's the place that you're going to hit. As far as you can make the money that you can pay your bill, you have to find the way out, the way that you are not the way that you're planning. You, you don't plan it. You just, you, you, you need to just focus on it. You just need to wish for it. You want to enjoy it. At the same time, you want to get to the place. You want to drive. You know, we, we didn't stay over there uh, for the, all 10 days. You know, we went to the cities. We went to the different places that we're supposed to be there. But in between all those places, we really enjoy our time. Every second minute, every 15 minutes, every 20 minutes, we have some places we did some stuff that we never done before. We dress the way that we never done before. We eat the things that we never eat before. I think we need to enjoy our education, our path that we are taking. And we don't need to punish ourselves saying that because in four and a half years, I plan to be there and I'm not there. I'm a failure. No, you are not. You learn some other stuff that nobody, you experience some other stuff that nobody else experienced it. You need to cheer up saying, wow, I was planning for four and a half years, but I got five and a half years. Guess, guess what? I'm a better, better person than I, you know, I was thinking I should be. Don't limit you know, limit yourself. Let it be. Let it, you know, just experience it and just be open to whatever this comes up. And I think this way everyone can get, you know, to the places that they want to be. And always be yourself. There is a story they're saying there, there were little church and in, in a village, it was no rain for five years. And the priest of the church inviting people to come and pray for the rain. And he invites saying, this afternoon, come into this mountain and we pray for the rain. Everybody coming over there. And the priest asking before he starts praying, saying, are you guys believing we're going to be in rain today? And everybody say, yes, amen. 
And the priest saying, get out, get get back home. You guys are not just, just you're joking with me. And everybody said, why you pray? Why you didn't pray? Why, why are you saying that? And the priest saying, if you really believe that it's going to be rain, you bring your umbrella with you. Nobody bring the umbrella. Take your umbrella and believe it's going to be really big rain and you're going to be wet if you don't take your umbrella. I was just going to um, emphasize on one of the words that you said. I think that what we tend to do for ourselves when we're going through the journey of life is we always look up and look at where other people are at. You know, one of the things that, that was stated in the email was about golfing and how other people was, you know, better than, um, than him. When it comes to anything that you do, there's always going to be somebody else that's better than you. You know, you could, you could even reach the very, very top and be the best that, that's actually out there. But if you don't accept with inside yourself and be happy with who you are in this current spot, even when you get to the very top and you are the best of the best, it will be an empty feeling because you will still be comparing yourself and you will have that inner voice within yourself that says that you're not good enough. So living your life in the present, living your life how how things are. Yeah, you, you had to do a couple more years in in school, but you learned your lesson. You, I, I mean, not learned your lesson. You, you had a roadblock that happened. Everybody has roadblocks in their lives. Everybody has U-turns in their lives. Sometimes you have to take a couple of steps back to be able to walk forward. But do you think that you're going to make that same mistake again? And that's the whole part point of this particular life. It, life is a lot like a video game in the way that if you end up making a mistake, you get another opportunity to, uh, you know, I guess it depends on what the mistake is, you know, <laughs> but, you know, normally you get a chance to be able to learn from that particular mistake and not do that, um, that mistake again. So. I think that the bad things that happen in your life are helpful, like what Nas said, to create steps or stepping stones to get you to where you need to be and to get you to where your goal is. The main thing is, is to making sure that those things that happen don't stop you and don't define you for who you are. And just continue to push forward. And I know that that's easier said than done. Because I myself, believe it or not, as much of a most amazing and perfect person that I that I sound, I have low self-confidence in myself. I have that inter, inner voice within myself that says, you are not good enough. I fight that every single day. And it has helped me to be able to be a better person and to, to give, I guess this is my biggest advice that I can give to you. Give yourself a break, give yourself a break and allow yourself 
that opportunity to move forward in your life. It took you a little bit more longer for you to get through college than it did than some of your members in your family. You weren't able to achieve all of the the things that you had set out for yourself. You may look at it and be like, you have wasted your time, but guess what? You have not. You have not wasted your time. You have learned so much and you're a better person than you were before. And so the most important thing, I know you keep hearing it, but keep trying and keep going and keep moving forward. Um, I was going to ask just to sort of riff off of something you said uh, a little bit earlier in response to that question, Naz. Um, do you think that there's a trade-off somewhere between um, being practical and being sort of idealistic? There's a lot of younger people who, who are saying, you know, I, I'm working a job that I feel like, you know, this isn't, this isn't my passion, right? I'm baking groceries and this isn't what I'm passionate about, right? I, you know, I, I wanted to, to, to be a chef or I wanted to be something else. And um, so I guess at what point do you have to, to step down and, and say, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to have my dream job, but I still need to pay the bills, right? So is there, is there a trade-off somewhere between those two extremes of you should all, you know, always try to get the job that you want versus um, not having a job at all? <laughs> No, you can have your job, your, your dream job at any ages. It doesn't matter. You know, it, there is a, a slang they're saying, you know, it's, some people having a baby when they're 18, some people having a baby when they're 40, some people have a dream job when they're 80, some people have a dream job when they are nine because their dad gave them money and they, their experience. <laughs> uh, they're, you know, they get that from, the, you know, they're heritated, heritated from their father and they're from... You know, that comes f- with the package. Um, I believe it depends of the person, depends of the need of me. What I need at this point, I have to be honest. I need to go front of the mirror and say, Nas, okay, what's your need now? You need to get this. You need to pay your bill and you have this much responsibility for this month and for this year, okay? You have to do this, this, this. Your dream job is far away, you know, it's low pay at this point if you want to do this. At this point, you have to do this other job uh, until you can get that experience or education or whatever to order to get your dream job. Now, what do you want to do? How do you want to manage this? You have to put everything on the paper. Many of our young people, they put everything in their mind and they let their brain you know, toast, you know, every day and they have so many problems, headache and anxiety and stress and everything. I'm just asking everyone, you are a professional, you know better than I do. I'm, isn't, I think this is, it's work for me. I put everything on the piece of paper from my brain and then I clear my mind. I don't need to think about it no more. I put everything from my brain in the piece of the paper, I transfer it over there and then I prioritize it, um, you know, saying which one is number one, which one is number two. And then I start working on it step by step. And then once in a while, every six months, I try the new job, that the one that I'm supposed to be in my dream job. I work on it and I put the application. I don't get tired of it. And if it's really your dream job, you will get it no matter what. The universe it would push you to get that new job. 
the, the job that you are, your dream job is. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, it would just lead you to that. Um, you know, it just comes up with the, with the, you know, with your feeling. I do like that you emphasize the importance of, of, you know, make sure you take stock of your priorities at the moment too, because I mean, I think a lot of people would say, you know, I, I, I want to quit my job as a professor today and become a, a cookie taster at, at Nabisco. Right. And, um, it's, it's it, making sure first and foremost, are you in a position where you're able to do that? Right. So don't, if you have a bill to pay immediately, you should not be be necessarily walking out of your job to try to be, you know, this is, may not be the best time to decide to, to go be a YouTuber and, and try it right now. Maybe, you know, <laughs> right. work, work to get some stability first. And, and, and I guess if I understand what you're saying, that dream, if that's your dream job, you'll get there at some point. It doesn't have to be here and now, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a reality check. It's they, that's really important things. The reality check. They need to find out, what their cost is, what their life is, and where they are standing at this point, and what they're supposed to be doing, and how much of their time allowing them to focus on their dream jobs. Because, you know, my dream job, I love to cook, and I really want to have a restaurant. But when I look around and see that, okay, for that job, I need to have this much money, and this much help, and this much, you know, space, and, you know, and is I'm not there yet, for example. If I'm not there yet, I'm just going to focus on having a smaller business, like, you know, catering business, mm -hmm. and I can deliver the food, and I can advertise small on internet, on the Facebook between the friends, and then get the small orders, and then show off a little bit better and better every day, and make some money. You know, the problem is comes with the big dream big, I'm not saying I'm not against it. Dream big, but you have to, you cannot dream big that way that you cannot handle it. On that particular note, I think that it's, this is a great time to take a quick break and then we will be back to go through um, some more things about professional development. We'll be going through resumes, networking, different things like that. And we'll also um, be touching base base a little bit about homelessness and how to find a job when you're homeless. How can I help you, sir? The name's Grizzly, Timot Grizzly, and I'm listening to For What It's Worth.
And welcome back. Thank you very much, Timid Grizzly, for that wonderful eye dance. Rue, do you do you hear that? Rue? It's uh, like it's Oh like no. It's celestial coming. heavenly no. music. No, it it's, can't happen. It's I can My see ears the light. are burning. It's so bright. <laughs> that can only mean one thing, folks. We're here to worship our patronuses. So we have <laughs> Who do we have today for our Patronuses, Nuka? Sorry, I'm laughing at how dumb that was. <laughs> we, uh, it's important like to, to laugh at yourself. <laughs> we'd like to give a very special thank to our Patronuses, including GW, Koru, Bubble Whip, Adelor Solthare, Moss, James Anderson, Jake Fox, that's with two X's, Chaffo Griff, Aussie K, Blackbald Rick, Catch she sorry, catch she <laughs> Ligris, Kits, Tear, Retire, Ichigo Ukami, Simone Parker, Guardian Lion, and of course the greatest of them all, Nuka. What a good looking fellow. Yay! I know that guy. I know Nuka. <laughs> so why do we have a patron? Cause we like money. Yeah, I like money. I like stuff in my pockets. I mean, somebody has to eat a cookie once in a while. You know, that's how those fortune cookies. Oh, my goodness. Well, I will say, if you can hear me right now, you're hearing me because of the lovely folks on Patreon who helped to purchase this microphone I am talking to you on. Woohoo. Yes, and we're going to be getting some new audio equipment. We're just trying to save up monies. Yay. Uh, You can be a Patronus as well by going to where? Uh, patreon.com slash fwiw awesome well so let's get back into the topic so today we are be we're talking about professional development and we were just about ready to jump in to resumes and different different steps on how to find employment but before we get to that nuka did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask nas before we go to that uh, no, actually, I'm actually most interested in the uh, the how to find employment part because um, I mean, when I when I go look for jobs as an academic, I have a, a the experience I think is very different from what the the a lot of average sort of typical people when you're applying for a job is like. I have to put together like this hundred page CV, and I noticed that with my friends who are trying to get a job, but I'm trying to help them. I really have no idea what what how you build a good resume or what it looks like to, to get a non-academic job. So I've actually been looking forward to this segment. So, so what makes a good resume? Something different. Always make it, uh, make it stand up something. Um, we were in the employer panel and we were sitting down with the uh, different employer from different uh, level of employer in the city in Utah. Uh, a state university actually we were talking about uh, what can make you hire me technically and one of the guy bring up very good point and he said if you put on the resume that you handling money for example if i want to hire the cashier and you say i'm a good i can count the money i'm handling this money very well i can count it and i can be accurate and I have a good customer service experience. That's everybody should have that to order to be cashier. You should count the money. You should have a good customer experience. You know, you should have a good customer service to order to handle the customer. 
what can make you stand up? What can make you different from hiring other person, other 20 person, other 100 person? You need to put something else in the resume to make you special, to make you something that I want to really hire you. But Naz, I'm not special. How do... <laughs> oh, come on. Dr. Irina, come on. You know, Mr. Roger always said, you're special the way you are. Remember? <laughs> I Aww. love him. I love him. And then you are special. And you can, you can twist it. You can put the way that... The way that you can handle it, you know, for example, you can say, I can raise the, I can suggest the um, sales, you know, I can raise the sales by, you know, 15% on each customers by suggesting different things, you know, chocolates and bringing other, um, you know, product and put them on the counter. And when I'm bringing up this stuff, I can sell it. Do you remember? Do you want some stamps, do you want chocolate, do you want this, don't forget your water, you need this, it's hot out there, you know, something that you can suggest to the customer that they can buy, you know, something that the um, the person who is hiring you as a cashier thinking that you are making more money, you can ring up more product for them when you, uh, you know, and then those kind of stuff, putting, adding those to the uh, resume make you stand up, not using for example, mydaddylovemedotcom. <laughs> There's uh, funny emails addresses that sometimes we get to see. You know, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Actually, that so, leads to a, a. Go ahead. I was going to say that leads to a, another question that I wanted to ask. Um, so that's sort of what makes a good resume or some good things to put in a resume. Are there like pitfalls or, or common mistakes that you see that people should definitely avoid doing? in a resume if they want to avoid getting thrown into the trash. I'm, I'm going to jump in here on this one. So when I was young and unexperienced, I was so proud of my resume. My resume was five to six pages long. Wow. What is I had worked at, at so many different places and when I was let go of my job, I walked out of there and I'm like, I have no problem getting a job 100%. And I started applying. It took me six months to find a new job until I finally had a good friend of mine that looked at my resume and was like, what are you doing? Are you serious? You can't put this on here. Like I had things like, like. I was the Renaissance student in 2000 and, or, or 1994, you know, all of these random things that nobody really cares. I mean, okay, some people care about, you can care about it, but nobody cares because it had been so long ago and all it was was just too much fluff in my resume. So I think that when it comes to your resume, you do want to make it clear and concise how and try to keep it to one page that is what a business owner wants to see keep it to one page you can do two but 
the religion of Rue <laughs> states to keep it one page. So please keep your resume to one page and try to utilize as much blank space as possible. Don't use half of the page to write your name, address, and your telephone number. Do not do that. And I have seen that so many times because I've looked at so many different play- people's resume. But I digress. And I'm going to turn to you, Nas. What makes a bad resume? Thank you, Lou. Uh, bad resume. Uh, bullet point. It's very bad. I don't like it. And color resume. Some people put it in blue and green or you know, red color or purple, you know, using those color, or maybe sometimes, you know, they use different um, lyrics, kind of, you know, um, Italian and mix it with the aerial, you know. Oh, fonts, yeah. Just the fonts, different, different fonts and stuff. That's, Using wingdings on your, on oh, your resume is, it is the not, worst thing. It is not fun. And people cannot really read them. And, you know, and they're not interested to see those kind of stuff. And some people scrambled everything in one half of the page and the other half, they put some pictures and stuff. I see those resume, like, you know, advertisement for the Mickey Mouse resorts kind of things. And I believe, you know, a resume should be solid one page and all the references upon request or, you know, maybe... If they are really big on the education, we can put the education. If they are not, we don't need it. We can say it upon request. If they are really requesting, um, for example, experiences, you know, we can put the big ones there, not not everything that we know from the hundred years ago. <laughs> See, I'm a little bit different. If if it if you put on upon request on there, I I highly recommend people removing that because if if that's it's just wasted space then on your resume. So you might as well just leave it off there. And then when they need it, they'll ask for it. And then you can present the, that, that particular information for them. So that, that's what I would recommend is just leaving it completely off. Mm-hmm. Nas, you had said no, no bullet points. That's bullet, news to me. Yeah, that's the bullet points are just getting old. You know, some people just put the bullet point saying this, 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 you know, just a wording kind of um instead of that you know some bigger companies you know they're scanning i heard that um some bigger companies they're scanning resume they're looking for the word and um for example if if i'm if they're hiring for this some software companies they're hiring for a database analysis okay they're looking for some keywords for some languages for example you need to have those languages over there. You need to have those words in the resume. And I think if they can put those words in there instead of bullet pointing and putting X skills and this and that, and then when they scan the resume into the system, they catch those words. And the rest of the resume is going away and they're just catching the one they have those wordings in there. Oh, Unfortunately, wow. there are some technology are against um, you know, people, and we need to take an advantage of it, you know, if you want to really compete in this, you know, um, kind of um, market at this time. I think that the important thing with the resume is you look at what the requirements of the job is, and then you use their words. Yes. Because the thing is, is there's several ways that you can say customer service, mm-hmm. 
they might have it stated completely different. So you want to make sure that you look at your the job requirements and, and think about switching some of the words up so that you can, um, you can match what they are looking for. Exactly. And I guess related to a resume, what about a cover letter? Uh, do you think it's worth, uh, uh, should people be writing cover letters to submit with their resumes? Or do you think that's not necessary? Or It is important to have a cover letter. I think the, if they're asking for cover letter, specifically some of the job they're really asking for the cover, cover letter, some of them they don't. It always shows professionalism if you had the cover letter going with the resume. And then um, and then after that, follow-up is very important. If we send the resume, send the cover letter, and after that, if we just send them in, you know, find out about the culture of that, um, you know, uh, history and the culture of that uh, place that we are applying for, that we can send them a thank you note. Mm-hmm. Those three things need to be done. Um, those are the homeworks that we need to get before we even create the resume. I'm applying for this place and I'm applying for the row company and I know the row is really big <laughs> on this, actually. You'll be making cookies. Just You're to, making the coaching cookies and it's a big cookies and big deal and big wording and big, very important things in, in the world. And Make sure you take out a, a bite out of yes. your resume. Yeah. <laughs> you have to make it, make sure that you have that. You have to, uh, you know, make sure that res- your resume is, uh, smells like cookie. But, you know... <laughs> You have to consider all those things, but I would go and read about where Rue comes from. Where, where, is, where is he coming from? You know, what was the culture? What was the story? What was his intention creating these cookies and all those things? And then making myself available and able to uh, talk about it if they're asking, if I go to the company interview or something, you know, I bring up something from their own, that they know that I'm aware of where I'm coming to work and who I'm working with. You had you'd mentioned something that I want to, to hone in on a bit there. You said uh, follow-up is really important, so having a, a thank you letter or something. Um, is there such a thing as, as being too enthusiastic? So you know, if, I, if I submit my uh, resume to a company, you know, if I call them every day and say, did you get my resume? Did you read my resume yet? Is that too much? Is there sort of a, a right amount of interest? Or should I be as interested as possible to show them I really want this job? I would say that it depends. It really depends on what you're doing. But I think that if you follow Nas's suggestions that she's already given, um, where you do, uh, you can do a phone call, you can do an in-person, and you can also submit an email. Um, I think the main thing is, is making sure that you space things out, maybe about uh, uh, like a week type thing where, okay, you put in an application for a place. Don't call them that day and be like, hey, you know, uh, maybe, may- maybe that would be good. It depends on the employer. But usually I would say submit the application and then maybe give them a phone call within a couple of days and say, hey, I just wanted to check to see if you had received my application, you know, and then maybe uh, a week after you could actually go in and just say, Hey, I would like to speak to your hiring manager. Um, 
make sure you use those words. Don't don't just go say to the person, hey, I want to follow up on my job because they will probably just say, oh, the manager's busy and you'll never get to get to actually talk to somebody that makes those particular decisions because they'll just kind of shoo you away, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> so I usually recommend you go in and say, hey, I would like to talk to your hiring manager. They'll go get a manager and then you can talk to them about um, your resume because it's going to be them that's going to make the decision of whether or not to hire you. But what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I think, uh, yeah, that would be really, really the best suggestion you, you are always give. You know, it, I think it's good to go in person if they are uh, really late for a week or something like that and stuff to go. But uh, how you go is very important too. You know, how you dress up, how you be um, presenting yourself mm -hmm. at the front of the door. It depends of where you where you apply the job. You know, for example, if you're applying um, some places that require tie and you know tied up, you know suit and stuff, you have to go like that. You have to you know cover your tattoos. You have to go somewhere that you keep you know matching their own their culture. You know, I'm free to do whatever you know I want to do at my home and my own um, you know. Uh, surrounding, but if somebody is hiring me based on their situation, based on their culture, based on their things and stuff, and they don't want to, you know, um, show enough some stuff, you know, I better, uh, you know, respect that culture of that job and stuff. Or, for example, if you going to be for um, hiring in tattoo place, you better show off the best of the tattoo that you ever had over there. And that's showing that this is part of my job, you know, and they can say, oh, my gosh, who did that? Oh, I did it myself. You will get a job right away. He said, come, come and do it on me. You know, you have to just know that's where you want to get a job and how you want to present yourself. You know, if you are in the nightclub, or, you know, you don't want to go tied up. You know, you want to go somewhere more casual or something. Um, I think um, you need to find out where you're standing with that person. And then it comes up uh, after the, even if you get invited, if I, if I got invited to the interview or not, that's another issue, uh, that another, you know, um, steps that we need to take. Hey, Nuka, I have a question for you. Sure. On your resume, do you have your persona name on there? No, Rue, because that would be horribly inappropriate. <laughs> So I have actually seen that before. I've actually seen cover letters that have been signed with their furry name or their persona. Mm. No, don't do that. Do not, and also going back to what you should wear when you like go into these places, please don't show up at, to an interview in ears and tell. Like don't don't wear a tell to your interview like there is a time and a place if you want to wear a tell or wear little furry ears or whatever, you can do that at home or with your friends. Um, but when it comes to a business, unfortunately, that is something that you have to set aside. I think that a lot of times people have a hard time compartmentalizing their life. And um, sometimes that's what you have to do is you have to put aside um, 
your fuzzy self and um, focus on the professional side of things. Well, I really liked the advice that Nas gave about there's no hard and fast rule. Like I, I, I admit I didn't even think about like if you were going to a tattoo parlor, you'd want to have those tattoos out. You'd want them on display. You'd want to, and it never dawned on me that, yeah, I, I suit for me. I remember when I was like 17 and applying for, for jobs at like a, uh, a drugstore, uh, a grocery store, or whatever, and I would always go in basically a suit and tie. I, I would always, I want to be professional, and not realizing that there, there are times, you know, that where that might be a little bit awkward, or that might not not be the way to go. You know, maybe maybe I don't need to show up to my my uh, you know, McDonald's dressed in a suit and tie. That might be a little little much for for what they were expecting there. So I, I did like that advice. I think that's um, good advice there. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about the interview itself, because you'd mentioned interviews now. And um, obviously what you're going to wear might differ a little bit from situation to situation. But what about um, sort of common pitfalls? What, what are some mistakes that people make commonly during interviews? If you could give like a, a, a don't do this or, or do more of this in interviews, uh, do you have any tips like that? The first thing I want to say is that most of the interviewer getting more um, smarter every day. What they do, they only ask you one question. Tell me about yourself. And they shut up. Totally. They were not saying extra, any other words. Tell me about yourself. (laughs) And then I go on and on and on and on. Oh, my my, my name, my mother, my my friend and my boyfriend and my girlfriend, my this and that. You know, I go on and on and everything. And how do I, you know... um, Clip your toenails in the morning. Everything. How do I get everything um, and but the things that I'm supposed to say? And they just, I just explain myself and the guy look at me like, you know, laughing so hard inside themselves and just, you know, um, and, and this is not right. And I think we need to be careful of, you know, tell me what, what kind of things you want to know, what you want me to tell me tell you what you want to know about me we, we don't need to talk about something personal anything personal we don't need to talk about our personal life about myself okay but i'm professional person when it comes to the job i'm very serious i'm a team player i'm this i'm that anything related to the business nothing from home nothing from your background nothing from your personal life they don't need to know that but uh, mainly people, when, when it's just talking about myself, we talk about our hobbies and our life and the last night, what I eat and what I, what I, you know, what I have. And, you know, it, it's not really about that. It's about the job. And the people are, you know, just switch it back and you just put the start and this is wrong. And then um, I believe the eye contact is very important. And then in in this area, you know, ages nobody shake hand no more because of the COVID, maybe. Elbows. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, a bow and you know, kind of respectfully, you know, kind of smiling um, to the to the face. And if the lady is front of the man, if they um, wants to shake hand, and if they are the one who are. Um, wants to do that, you know, uh, the man's supposed to be shaking. Otherwise, the man 
would not initiate that. You know, um, this is rude. I think any man wants to shake hand with the lady and bring the hand up, you know, um, I won't shake hand with the man who does that. <laughs> you know, but I think we need to uh, have the respect and, you know, and I think those are the little things that we need to just be careful when we go to the interview. And being on time is very important. Being there 10, 15 minutes early, that's not going to be, a, you know, bad things. But being there more than 10 minutes early, that's not going to be good because, you know, I see some people coming half an hour and hanging around, walking in the street, and, you know, because they come for the interview, they think, you know, they come early, it's going to be helping. No, you know, we don't need to be that early if you're not late. You know, 10 minutes early would be good, sufficient enough. I was going to just add on when it comes to an interview, the two things that I find the most important for somebody to remember is the very first question. Normally, employers will ask, tell me about yourself. The reason why that that's the most important question is normally people within the first 30 seconds will determine whether or not that they want to hire you. Mm -hmm. And so you need to make sure that that first 30 seconds is the most well-polished part of the interview itself. So you need to make sure that you work on something called a 30-second commercial or something called an elevator speech. It's the elevator pitch. That's what we call it, yeah. Elevator pitch. So just make sure that you're able to answer just very quick. So what? why is it called an elevator pitch? Basically, if somebody was to get in the elevator with you that you really wanted to work for, you have a certain limited amount of time before they get off of that elevator. So... You want to make that question short, simple, and direct um, to letting them know who you are. And you want to keep it within that 30-second that time frame. I would say that the second most important question that a lot of people mess up on is the last question. The last question that they usually ask you is, do you have any questions for us? Mm. A lot of people forget that an interview is not just them interviewing you. This is an opportunity for you to interview them as well. And a lot of people forget that it's actually a two-way conversation. So if you come unprepared with questions to be able to ask them, then you, and you say, no, I don't have any questions, that makes you look like you are not interested in, in the position itself. So you want to make sure that you come prepared with three really well thought out questions. Something like, I notice that your company values is X, Y, and Z. Tell me about um, how, um, how your team represents Z or something like that. That shows, A, that you have done research, that you truly care about actually working for the company and you know the company values, you've just shown th three very amazing things to um, to, to them. Make so, Ru, sure, sorry. go ahead. Okay. Hey, Rue, I want to ask one of those questions back to the interviewer. Should I ask a question like, how much does the job pay? No. No, that's definitely one that you want to stay away from. So, um, or when can I start? Um, so try not to ask those questions, try to keep it, um, professional. Um, 
the the questions of how much that you get paid and stuff like that usually come into the second interview or well, the, and, and not only that but a lot of the times those things will be posted i think it would be if i was an employer i would be off put if the person comes in and doesn't know like what, what, what would i be doing in this job well presumably if you read the ad description you would have an idea of what so you, it, it you're, might make you're you look correct unprepared. you're correct yeah. but sometimes employers nowadays they don't actually put how much that they are going to pay you. Mm. So it just depends. So same, I, I did want to add one more thing with resumes. I think something that's, um, that especially when it comes to interview or resumes or it, it really depends on, um, the, the field that you are applying for on how your, um, interview and how your resume is going to look. If you're applying for a graphic designer and then you use the typical resume, uh, you might not get the job because the resume type for a graphic designer needs to be a little bit different. You may want it to have color and graphics and make it look all fancy and pretty to be able to show off your skills. Mm -hmm. Um, or instead of a resume, you have like a portfolio that shows some of your artwork that you include with it as well. Maybe you have a standard resume and then include some of the things that you've worked on. But anywho, I digress. Um, so job searching, let's talk about job searching. Um, what databases are useful? What, what are some things that you recommend to the individuals that you work with? I think looking for a job is a full-time job, first of all. With five or 10 hours a week, you cannot find any jobs, pretty much. I think um, there's pretty much, there's lots of uh, um, online job search engines like Indeed or, you know, um, many different staffing agencies out there that they have jobs available. And one of the best can be uh, jobs.utah.gov that they have the listing of 27,000 jobs available right now. Uh, that listing, um, you can put your experience, what, what kind of jobs you want, the keyword, and they will give you the whole lot of jobs in the state and out of states jobs that they are available in Utah. But the most important things is that um, Many jobs you can find by networking, but just asking questions of friends and family and the people here and there that I'm looking for this kind of jobs and stuff. And you cannot even imagine how many people say, oh, you should tell me I have this in my, you know, we have hiring in my company. Right now, we have a, one of the best uh, places to work in Utah. You know, we have a good economy. We are one of the fastest growing economy as far as the job growth. Um, and I think we have lots of job, um, especially in markets like, you know, computer skills and stuff. Anybody who knows those kind of stuff is lucky. And um, I think um, there are many online jobs that you can sign up and they will send you invitations and stuff. But uh, the way that some of the people that I work with is helping and it's working is that, you know, they go and, uh, you know, they search, actually, they go and search the, you know, locations, the 
actually companies they go to the companies and instead of going because the companies they're keeping some of the job for themselves they're not giving everything uh, to the agencies to look for the job for them they're not contracting for example with the indeed all the detail all the jobs that they have they keep some of them for themselves for example l3 they have so many jobs that they are that comes with the tuitions reimbursement but they have it right at the L3 career that you have to go in and go to the L3, go to the career under employment, and then uh, working with us, and then you put the application in to order to get their solutions. Then if you get that, get those kind of jobs with the Indeed.com, for example, you're not going to be qualified for those kind of solutions. Those are the three things that you know people will learn by the time if they're really looking for the jobs and stuff. But I believe... Um, the technology is not the door-to-door anymore, you know, looking for a job, going to the, uh, you know, um, walking the street, unless, you know, you really can looking for the businesses that they're around your home. But um, they are, there are lots of jobs available right now that, you know, easily the person really wants to work, start any jobs, entry-level jobs, they can start working in three to four, five days. It's it was that was an amazing uh, little bit there because you you anticipated like three of the questions I was just about to ask. Uh, the last <laughs> one I was going to ask was going to be uh, you know because I'm a mind reader. Well, apparently, oh my. say that maybe it's a thing that <laughs> she's uh, a fortune teller. When you get your PhD, maybe they, they teach you to read minds because that was impressive. No, actually, I ate one of the fortune cookies from okay from the room. <laughs> Because my dad used to give, I remember when I was younger, my dad used to give the advice when I was looking for jobs when I was like 14. And he would always say, go door to door, get a handful of resumes and go door to door uh, to different, you know, go to the mall and hand out resumes that way. And um, I think you're right that that, that maybe 50 years ago or 40 years ago, that would have worked. But I don't, I don't think that's the way it works now. So I'm glad you you said that. Um, I also like that you mentioned for networking, relying on friends and other connections you have to help you get jobs. So what if you're in the situation where you're, you know, you're, you're a 19 or a 20 year old and you don't really have any professional networks. Like you don't really, networking is this thing we're always told you should network, you should network. How, how do you network? If you're, if you're a 20 year old, you know, young person, how do you network? That is a great question. I'm going to jump in just for a second here. And Uh, Let me tell you, when I worked with individuals with disabilities, I did go and do door-to-door itself. And when you're trying to find entry-level positions to get yourself in the door, I understand that everything has moved online. But sometimes I feel that people have gone so much into the idea that you don't go in in person anymore that um, when somebody does actually go in person, that impresses an employer. So I am actually of the polar opposite where I do encourage people, but here's the difference. Don't go to the place until you've put an application in. Hmm. If you haven't put the application in, then yes, you'll get the typical, hey, you just, you need to apply online. But you can get so far with being able to talk to the hiring manager by placing your resume first and then, you know, after a few days going in and actually talking to them in person. Now, I get it. 
we're in the middle of COVID right now. So maybe that's not the best approach right now. And maybe it would just be better for you to do a phone call for now. Um, I mean, because each business might have different um, COVID. But if you're just a high schooler going off the street and you're wanting to get a retail job, you know, over at Target, let's just say, that's the format that I would follow is I would I would put an application first, wait a couple of days, go in and say, I would like to talk to your hiring manager. And then you can have a conversation with them, um, see kind of what they're looking for. Um, Nas, I know that we have something called, um, we have something called like a smart start guide. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they talk about is informational interviews. Mm-hmm. Have you had um, had anybody do an informational interview? And what is an informational interview? Technically, you know, um, they come and, you know, ask questions and stuff. How can I apply for this kind of job? What kind of qualification I should have to order to start this job? What should I be? What situation? You know, um uh, to so get who to are know you that asking? Job, where are you going to do the, this information? The person who's uh, holding that job, actually. For example, I want to be Rue in future. <laughs> I want to come in and ask you, Rue, how can I be you? I want to I want to be Rue when I grow up, okay? And you tell me all the uh, pitch, all the up and down, all the things that you've been through, and you're telling me all the trick that I can be successful Rue, okay? And, uh, actually, let me... Uh, correct myself. Nobody can be you. Oh. That's, <laughs> oh, that's you. Uh, forever. <laughs> Nobody can be you. But uh, technically, I'm asking you to, to tell me, you know, how can I be in your position? If I'm in your position, what should I do? What can I, you know, I'm, I'm learning your job technically before even I can apply for that kind of jobs. But coming back to your question um, about the young person, you know, we, we are using lots of social media wrongly. For example, we have uh, Instagram, we're thinking we just need to put our picture, the best picture over there, to find a boyfriend and girlfriend over there. But this is not this is not really um, we're supposed to be using it for. This is networking. This is the best networking places we can put. You know, I'm looking for a job. Anybody have a job? You know, I'm uh, 19 years old. I'm just off the school. I'm to going to the college. I'm looking for these kind of jobs, and there are lots of places. You know, communicate communications places at the you know board at the colleges and high schools and stuff that people put the you know um as a communicator um good communicators they put you know flyers for the jobs or they advertise themselves you know they put you know if anybody knows any jobs this is my phone number you know just let me know those are the best places to advertise you know you can put on the facebook um, one of my friends' uh, son actually looking for a job, and they just moved from the Michigan. And I told him, you know, why you don't put the post on? You know, why are you asking your mom to put the post for you? Uh, believe me, he can find I think about twenty jobs. You know, in one day, everybody offered. You know, you can come and work over there. We can work. You know, it's a. Um, it doesn't mean that I need to know. In you know, before I, of course, you know. Um, networking should be my family, my friend, and stuff. And how about if I don't know anybody in this city? I'm just coming to this, you know, congregation, and I have no idea about, you know, this apartment building and stuff. But this apartment building have the community, uh, you know, board. I can put in the community board that 
uh, I live in this uh, neighborhood and I, ex- I am, you know, experienced or I don't have experience, but I'm looking for a job if anybody have anything to, you know, help me with, you know. And of course, uh, of you know, definitely, you know, there are lots of places, other places that we can, you know, um, right now, Facebook have a good place to start with. And I think, you know, Craigslist and other places before it, you know, in our time, it was on the newsletters, newspapers was, you know, we get the newspapers and there's the ad. <laughs> oh, it was in, you know, I know you don't know that. No I'm more. just... What, uh, what about a website like LinkedIn? I know that everyone always kind of talks about LinkedIn as being this place where you're supposed to network. Do you, is that just a, is it actually effective or is that sort of a, a time sink? If you know where to go, you know, LinkedIn is it's just too busy. You know, it's just people put so much stuff in there for the companies, for the professionalism. Yeah, it's good to go. But uh, for somebody, for the college student, I don't think LinkedIn is really working because they don't have too much experience to add into the LinkedIn. Um, later on, they need to have a LinkedIn. I, I think they can put more perf- you know, steps of what kind of professional they, they are in, what, who they are really with the picture and with their experiences and education and everything. But to begin with, I don't think the LinkedIn, they, they will help them because LinkedIn has an engine that it works with the search engine that you put, okay, I'm looking for this and this. And you're not putting no, non-experienced college students, you know, anybody who wants to hire somebody saying, I'm looking for the database analyst, I'm looking for the cashier, I'm looking for this and that, you know, you put the job or experiences. And if it's 19 years old or college students or somebody who just looking for some specific jobs, I think um, LinkedIn is just looking for somebody who already have that experience and uh, can find them. Gotcha. So you work directly with individuals who are homeless Mm -hmm. and help them find employment. They have a lot of barriers that they have because right now they're just they're just struggling to have the basic necessi- necessities. Uh, we I know that there are some some furries out there that are homeless. How how do we how do you help those individuals and how how can people how can people help? I think. Uh... The first thing is to invite the people to not to judge them because homelessness can happen to anybody overnight. If I lose my job and I was not able, I'm not able to find them for six months and I don't have enough money to back up and pay my rent and pay my dues and stuff, I, I can lose my home too. They are facing so many challenges that we don't have. We don't even think about it. We don't even put ourselves in their shoes. And all we do is just judge and tell them that, oh my gosh, what they do? Are they doing drug? Are they doing this? Are they? Many of them don't, doesn't do drug. Many of them have the mental issues. They have illnesses. And because we don't know how to deal with those kind of stuff, we don't have um, interpretation of... Um, 
PTSD or something like that. We don't know what they've been through. We just accuse them and we just judge them and we just tell them that, oh my gosh, they're homeless or maybe they're dangerous. Maybe they're human beings like me and you, like many of us. But unfortunately, they are right now in that situation. And all we need to do is to just help them to go through, um, you know, just... I think we need to just help them. You should just, you know, give them the basic things by donating and, you know, make your life easier for them. And, um, of course, if they need help, if they're asking for money, don't give them money. Uh, refer them to the places that they can uh, get help, like, you know, different places like Department of Workforce Services can give them money or give them food stamp or other needs and stuff. If they're hungry, you know, I will get them a hamburger or something or, uh, you know, I'm not going to give them money, but um, I give them resources. I give them addresses to the Come to Action program to go. They have lots of homeless prevention program. They can pay for their rent, rapid rehousing uh, through different organizations, Asian Association of Utah, or we have 16 different agencies that can get help to get through the housing, all the shelters in Utah are available, and they, they, as soon as they get there, they can get first spot to go to the waiting list for the housing, and we can get them to the homes um, as soon as as less than one month. And if we don't have available spot, we put them in the hotel to order uh, for them to be ready um, to get their own housing. And the jobs is obviously another animal that we are, uh, you know, um, helping them to develop resume, be appropriate clothing, having, you know, transportation, and those all those challenges one step at a time, you know. And I, I don't want to take your time so much. I'm talking so much, I know. No, no, oh, you are is... fine. <laughs> I, I just... I. I just want to say thank you for coming out today. Like, because let me tell you um, the reason why I like, I wanted you for this particular episode is a few things. A, you have such a positive outlook through life. And I know that your experiences that you've shared that have gotten you to this point has, has made you into the person that you are today to be able to help people around you. You are you are such a ray of sunshine any time um, that that I have an opportunity to see you working with an, an, an individual. I know that you're making a, a difference in other people's lives. Thank you. And um, you know, and I also knew that you're really fun to to talk to. So that's <laughs> why you. I we we really wanted you to come on for Thank this. You. It's so an honor. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming out. So we're now at final thoughts. So final thoughts are basically anything that anything that you want to share. Maybe maybe it's an individual that's homeless that's out there that needs a piece of advice, or maybe it's their first time finding a job. What is one thing that you want them to remember? If there is anybody out there listening to us and listening to me at this time, and you think you are at the end of it, just give yourself another chance. 
give, give yourself another chance and just reach out to somebody, reach out to us, reach out to this podcast people, and I know uh, they will catch you. They will come up with some solution for you, and they will hook up, hook you up with somebody with some places that um, you can start a new life. And and never late to start. Never. No matter where you are in your journey of life, you are welcome to start the new life. Nuka, any thoughts? Um, yeah, I guess I just want to share that sentiment. Um, you know, as a professor, I, I see a lot of students who are, I, I've talked to, to students who are 40, 50 years old saying, I'm too old for this. I'm too old for this. And I'm inspired by the fact that they go back, right? They're, they're, they're 40 years old and they decided, I want to I wanna chase that dream job. And the first thing I need to do is, is, is go back and, and get, get a degree. And it's never too late, right? So whatever your dream job is, it's never too late to, um, to pursue it. And I guess I just want to emphasize that it's, it's about determination. It's about sticking to it. Um, I say this as a person who, to get this job that I'm at now, that I'm now tenured at, uh, I spent three years searching. And in my last year alone, I applied to 124 jobs before I got one interview. Um, granted, it's a, it's a different job market, right? The academic job market is different, but I think the underlying lesson is still the same. That you know, you're you're going to get a lot more rejections than you are going to get, you know, uh, interviews. But you only need to get it once, right? You only need to have one successful interview to get the job, right? So cast a wide net, don't give up. Um, it's it's. Yeah, it's a matter of, of sticking to it long enough and you'll you'll get something. I was just going to add, just don't let other people define who you are. You know, you're paving your own way. Um, you know, you, you can use other people as role models and you can look up to them. But just remember, like, you're your own person and don't let other people tell you what you can and cannot do. And most importantly, don't let yourself be the one that stands in your own way. Okay. Awesome. So that was a great episode, you guys. So next, um, you know what we have, I think we have something in this like little bag over here. Oh yeah. That we need to open. Oh my gosh. <gasps> We have letters in the mailbag. Oh my goodness. People want to talk to us. Woo! <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> I was I was very lonely. <laughs> uh so we have two lovely emails of that has been sent in to us today. We have one from Kit and one from Timid Grizz. Do you want to go ahead and read one of those? Sure. Uh, so from Kit, Kit says, hello, Casto, for what it's worth. It's Kit. I completed the art for the pause episode, albeit late. I included two versions, one that is for the site at banner size and one for Patreon at 4K. Uh, they provided some links here. I had fun with it. I hope that you like it too. With love and cookies, Kit. Thank you very much, Kit. I saw those pictures. They're really good. I like them. Thank you so much. It's it's basically um, here. Hold on. I'm going to pull up the email. 
So a listener sent this in. They drew this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Super cute. So good job on that. Thank you so much for for turning that in. It was awesome. It's been a long time since we've had art for the show. So really appreciate it. It's very adorable. Then we have an email from Tibbet Grizzly. I have that one. You got it? All right. Yep. Hi, staff. For for what it's worth, thank you so much for the episode on handlers. I learned so much to improve my handling skills. It was so, it was so interesting to get other handler insights. Thank you, Timid Grizz. Thanks for sending that in. Appreciate it. But that's it. That's all that's in the mailbag. We need more. I need more. I need the attention. He needs to get his fix, everybody. (laughs) Well, if you would like to send things into our mailbag, you can send that over to castfforwhatitsworth.com. We love hearing your your insight, your thoughts about the episode. It doesn't have to be anything that's pertained to to the next episode. It could just be, hey, this is how I'm currently doing. Or if you need um, some advice, by no means uh, do you want to listen to my advice because, you know, I might lead you off a cliff or make you have diabetes and eat too many cookies. One of those things. So, But if there's any way that we can possibly help, we'd be more than happy to, to read your email in the mailbag section. So to, we also need to talk a little bit about housekeeping. Yep. Have you commented on the site yet? It's time to be reminded in housekeeping. First of all, I wanted to um, send a great thank you to lovely Nuka for helping um, out with this particular episode. Let me tell you, I basically had the show notes, a skeleton show note, and I was like, I don't know what to ask. <laughs> so I I turned to, to Nuka and he really helped out with our show notes, getting that all uh, taken care of. Um, so thank you so much for that. Also, thank you for, for Voss for helping us out with editing the show. Let me tell you, he puts hours into the show. Sometimes his editing, it's like five to, to eight hours that he's editing the show itself because of how many mistakes that Rue makes. <laughs> so thank you so much for for helping us out. And then also uh, thank you for for Firebreath for um, being our announcer. Uh, once once again for Timid Grizz for sending us the ident and also a tugs for um, continuing to be there as emotional support. Our emotional support tugs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else do we have for housekeeping? Uh, social uh, social media stuff. So if uh, you want to be active on the, the show or if you want to be an active participant in this community of ours, you can uh, comment on the website, uh, use our social media. I don't remember at all where any of those are because I don't use social media. Rue? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, just basically our Twitter is at for what it's worth. So you can follow us there. Um, 
Also, make sure that you jump on to our, our site once we get it fixed. I mean, it's still there, but you can comment on the site, make it look like the people are actually there. Oh, and also give us reviews on uh, the different um, podcast sites that you find our show. Uh, that helps with the algorithm so that more people are able to find the show. So I appreciate that. Um, also, you know, telling a friend about our show helps. We don't have any sort of marketing um, that we've been spending any of our patron dollars towards. So um, telling a friend or posting the show on Twitter or or the episodes themselves saying, hey, this particular episode helped me, you know, uh, you know, sharing these episodes are, is super helpful for us. We got a Telegram group. Uh, you yes. have to be 18, right? You do. Yeah. And you can just message at Wine Red Fox and we will get you set up with um, the Telegram chat. So at this particular time, Nas, tell us um, if there's somebody that's that's listening that wants to... Um, wants to get a hold of you, how would they go about getting a hold of you? Or um, or if you have some things that you would like to to plug, maybe, you know, some some things that you're currently doing that you would like to share, is there? Um, if they want to hold up me, they can uh, always contact me through the organization. Um, they can come to the shelter at the Midwell Family Shelter um, and if they need help actually to get place actually um, man, woman, anybody we have intakes people uh, getting help over there and we have intake team they can, it's 24 hours we are never have, we never stop, you know, we are always there I have an office over there but you know um, they have. I have my card over there at the shelters. I can get my. Uh, they can get my phone number through the shelters if they want to. And also, um, I'm active on one of the food banks that I uh, created <laughs> a few years ago, actually seven years ago, at the Saint James Episcopal Food Bank. On the second and fourth Sunday of each month, we have a free food for anybody. We are not checking any um, documentation or anything from the one to three, they can come and, you know, just uh, sign the paper and go and shop for themselves, whatever they want it. We are not box the food. We are not asking no questions. Um, and, you know, they can come and get it. For the COVID purposes, right now, the procedure is like that, that they can come in through the, with the, uh, with the car, actually they come in and, we put everything on the table in the boxes and they would just pick up the box and go without even signing any kind of documentation. It's a touchless services and we have um, um, dietary uh, restriction if they have. We have the station for the uh, gluten-free station. We have a dog and cat food. We have a feminine items. We have detergent and everything that you can ever imagine and one of the best food banks ever is working at the Midwell area at St. James Episcopal Food Bank and it's free food to anybody who needed it and I'm serving over there as a volunteer 
Awesome. If you also, if you have any direct questions, you're more than welcome to to send an email over to rue at forwhatitsworth.com or cast at forwhatitsworth.com. And I will make sure that Nas gets that. Um, okay. So our next episode, what are we talking about? Fursuits, fursuit maintenance, and how to get into animation. That's so we have our fursuit maintenance episode that's coming up. And then the next episode after that is getting into animation. So what questions are we looking looking for for each of those episodes, Nuka? So for fursuit maintenance, it's uh, everything from, hi, I have a fursuit I haven't washed in three months. How do I go about washing it without destroying it? Uh, oh no, I've torn some holes in it. You know, how do I sew it up if I don't know the first thing about sewing? Um, little things, little bits and bobs for, for how to take care of a fursuit since it's a, a several thousand dollars investment. Uh, how do you keep it at its best? So questions that you may have about that, um, or if you happen to be an expert on the subject, advice you can offer. Uh, and then for animation, if you've ever been interested in doing animation yourself, or if you uh, want to know what it's involved in getting into it, or if you're like me, you just are fascinated by animation and you want to know a little bit more about the process of, you know, how do these people become animators, uh, feel free to send in your questions about that. All right, this has been Rue. I'm Nuka. And this is Nas. And you've been listening to For well, What It's what Worth. Is worth. Awesome! Yay! Yay.